Hey guys, welcome to another Fair Income episode. Today we had Mr. Talal Yassin back on the podcast for another special gem-filled ep. Uh, this time we spoke about the ins and outs of superannuation, everything you need to know as a layman. Uh, we also touched on the age-long debate about Islamic finance being halal. We also went into uh, Sharia compliance and borrowing money and investing. And he also left us with some tips and tricks on um, how to look at your money long-term, short-term and and general like rules of thumb when it comes to making and, and balancing your money. So don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on the video and yeah, enjoy. The following podcast includes general financial product advice. This advice does not take into account any particular person's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Neither Crescent Wealth nor any of its products is associated or affiliated with Crescent Capital Partners. The following interview with Mr. Talal Yassin was conducted on the 6th of December 2022 and the views expressed by him are his own. Mr. Talal Yassin. Hello. Welcome back to the Ferdigan Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me again. You let me back in. Yeah, it was a pleasure to have you I'd the first surprised. time. I was a bit surprised. <laughs> no, it's just we didn't have any other guests to have on. No, no, no. <laughs> Last three cancelled. <laughs> no, well, it was a pleasure. SubhanAllah, the first one was it was too nice. We had to do it twice, you know? Yeah. So, welcome back. Um, I remember on the last podcast, we might have had a bit of a conversation about your why. And um, I think that was something that resonated with a lot of people. And uh, it would be nice to understand a little bit more about it. So... Why did your why come about? I think... Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. <laughs> so I, um, I think uh, last time we were talking about, so, so how should you conduct yourself? What is work-life balance? Um, and one of the things I was saying then, um, one thing that I was making up as I was going along, um, <laughs> was uh, you always have to have a why. We've got to try and find your why. And it's got to be for purpose. It'll be broader than just you or just money. Because if you find that, that why, you can almost cope with any what. And if you think about people in your life, whether they run a household, whether they run a big company, whether they run a charity, they have a why. They get up every morning. I'm here to feed the homeless. I'm here to feed my family. I'm, that's their why. Mm. And th they can cope with the what. And the same thing is for you as an individual. You've got to find your why. Now, you want to always just appear, and it might be, but you've got to look for it. You've got to test it. And uh, once you have a why, you have to have a B. So you're at A, where's B? The B might change, mm -hmm. but you've got to know where you're going. And so I guess the question is, how did I find my why? Well, the story is actually Melbourne-based. So... Uh, about 12 years ago, I had left, I was a lawyer at PwC, and then I left and uh, and went to Babcock & Brown, which is an investment house. After Babcock & Brown, I left them about 2007, and I decided that I was going to do with my life, because that was like kind of Wall Street firm, you know, like, like Goldman Sachs, but it was a Macquarie Bank Investments, it was that kind of firm, but it went down in 2009 with the global bankers crisis. Yep. And um, I decided that um, I was going to invest in things where um, money met social good and only for the good. 
And so business with a purpose. And one of the things I did was work in a corporate called, um, that, that failed as well, but was uh, about creating electric vehicles. 20 years too early. So we had the first Nissan Leaf in Sydney, etc. Oh, okay, right? yeah. Now, we built quite a team in Melbourne based in Richmond. Very Silicon Valley kind of startup, very intelligent people, you know. And um, at about that time, in fact, not about that time, I know exactly when it was, 2010, I decided to take my parents to Hajj. And I was, it was a Melbourne-based business and I was number two or number three. And I'd fly in every week, you know, five million, five million points on the frequent fly. I was in and out, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that at the boast. It's a lament. It's crazy. There's nothing. There's nothing nice about that, right? People like that travel. You know, like the concept of it, but it's it really does great on you. Mm-hmm. And a lot, but I was that was my why. We were trying to build this for purpose company. It was for profit, but it was for purpose. Yeah, it had its purpose. <coughs> Actually, competed with Tesla. We failed. But I competed with Tesla. <laughs> okay. um, but we tried. Now, but that's not the story. The story is I went to ha- I, I, I went to Hajj, took my mum and my dad. And my mum and dad were uh, older now. They're like uh, 69 and 77. And But this was, you know, 2010, you know. It was uh, 12 years ago. And um, I went to Hajj and uh, it was very, very interesting on so many different levels. But I'm not saying I went there and had some miracle and I loved Hajj. It was amazing. Mm. But it's the little things that cause the miracle. So when I was sitting okay. there, uh, they got the Saudis, they have the shukha walking around and doing dawah. But their dawah is human dawah. So some random dude sat down with my mum and my dad, started talking to me in English. So where are you from? I'm oh, from Australia. What are you doing here? What do you do? Is I was a banker, I'm a lawyer, and, and he said, um, this, um, oh, that's very interesting. So it seems to me that you're ticking, off, you're ticking this off your list. And, but do you remember a young man? They call me young man. He was a sheikh, of course. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most important things you'll do, coming closer to Allah and actually taking that time out. But it seems to me you're just, Doing a ticker box exercise. I said, oh, thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum. Smiled. Took mum and dad. Moved on. I was a carer. This is hi. Anyway, long story short, we come back, fly in Sydney, bring the Zamzam water. I got off the plane. Mum and dad went home. My wife picked me up. Went back to my place. Gave them Zamzam water. Hello, how are you? Assalamu alaikum. You know, shaved head, all the rest of it. And uh, then got strapped back in the car, went back to Sydney Domestic Airport, got on a plane through the Avalon Airport, and then had a car waiting to take me to the strategic planning session for this company where I was presenting. Because it, was the, it happened to be the annual retreat. Yeah, wow. Okay. And I, rem- and, I, and I remember, like, they were there the day before. It was a three-day retreat. I was presenting on day two. And first of all, nobody recognised me when I walked in. <laughs> Literally, nobody recognised. So, you know, you have your, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? <laughs> I wasn't in a suit. Like, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funny if you came in with the thulb and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it would have been just as bad, right? Uh, number two, I remember making it 
Like it's a, it's a big you know, flying from Saudi Arabia, same day going to Melbourne, then mm. flying to Avalon, then getting in a car and driving an hour. And I, and then I did the presentation. Everybody said, hello, how are you, etc. And then I went back and to bed. And man, I was slammed. Like I was just like out of it. And I then realised lying on that bed there, like that sheikh was right. It was a to-do list. Literally, just mm. ticking it off. It was like literally ticking off a list. Yep. Like, yeah, done my three weeks. Like, pause, back on again. It was li- but I actually conducted myself like that. It was literally put the suit on like, mm. like nothing happened, right? When I, w- once I walked in and said hello, I went and wore my suit and came back. And like, it was a pause. And it's not, from that day on, I was going to do more for what I thought was really important. And well, my community was most important to me. And whilst I was doing something really good, you know, it was for purpose, for profit, it was only for the good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I wanted to do something bigger than that. It, 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 it can't be I put a pause on it. It can't be, because we're very religious people, mm. um, but we're culturally religious. You know, Lebanese Muslims are culturally religious. A lot, of, Not everybody, but a lot of them. And um, and I wanted to make it more than just culture, more than just practice, more than just people calling you Haish, you know. And so that's my why. And so from there on in, I was actively seeking opportunities. We had already thought about. I was looking at the files the other day, filing stuff away. Mm-hmm. I I found the first legal advice I got to setting up a super fund was in two thousand and seven. Wow! Because it was was set up in two thousand and eleven. First legal advice that I paid for. Yep. I want to set up a fund. And then meeting thereafter, etc. But at the t- in the t- that 2010, after I went to Haji and came back with my mum and dad, I um, decided that that was my why. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, <coughs> I can do something about it. And bloody hell, I don't want to live... I want to live a life on a weekly basis... Not repeat the one week 40 times, which is what we do, you know? And I kind of just literally pause that and then, you know, press play and went straight back to where I was. And um, on that basis, then we, I then decided that I was going to look more, more actively and more focused at Islamic finance, at the community, at what we can do. That was blue ocean and not red ocean. And what I mean by that, if you're familiar with blue ocean, red ocean, so it's about competition and about markets. Okay, yep. In simple English, you always look to do things that other people aren't doing. You don't do the Islamic or the Libo thing or both, yeah. where someone's doing them on an shop, you set up an shop right next to them. <laughs> it's the reverse of that. Uh, someone's doing a bakery, you create a bakery. Someone's got a delicatessen, you, you literally, Coburg Road, you know, Wanji Street, Lakemba. It's, it's, we have that in our community. It's, you look at where it's, uh, so in the red ocean, is about blood, you're spilling blood, you're competing, mm, right? Yeah. So if you take 1% or 2% of the market, that's, that's the red ocean. Blue Australia, you're swimming in the blue ocean. There's nobody around you. Mm. And uh, then I decided, because we had already thought about it, built it, structured it, and uh, really thought deeply about what we can do. And always people, when I was in the banking and legal world, 
Islamic finance is the next big thing. It's a huge multi-trillion, multi-billion. And I still say that today. Then I said to him, show me one, like all the lawyers, all the bankers, all the insurers said, oh, we are a panel. We've advised on this for years. Show me one institution, not some random guy on Coburg Road or Wanji Road, Lakemba. I mean, institution that does Islamic finance in Australia. There wasn't one, not one. That is long-term institution, and the uh, and, and I mean corporately, yeah. right? So there are there've been community institutions that are wonderful, have done really good job, but I mean, corporates that are going to compete with the majors, right? Not second tier, not third tier, but full on institutions that are not were for profit for purpose, mm-hmm. um, like an Islamic bank or something like that. Anyway, yeah, there wasn't, and so. My why became, well, I wanted to set that up. Now, I've got to say and admit right up front, it was very, uh, without blissful ignorance, <laughs> it would never happened. Mm-hmm. If I knew what I did today, uh, it's like, you know, you're walking on a high wire. If you knew that you could fall, you would never do it. But if you don't know what's under yeah, you, you'd so do true. it, right? Uh, in the sense of how much it took, what it took to pioneer Islamically. And that's what we're actually doing. You mean sacrifices financially or personally? All, all, all above, yeah. And so at that time, I um, I decided that you know, well, maybe I should move on to something else. I was weighing up. I had a CEO ship offer of a listed company in Australia, or I could invest my own money, my own time, my own effort in an Islamic fund. I went to Paris, got interviewed. Oh wow! Came back, sure. got the job offer. Went to Paris again. They wanted to double check. Won't name the company, hmm. and um. Uh, so well, I'm gonna regret actually never giving this a shot. Yeah. Right. And um, so we then started building it to be what we always thought the community would really like, and that is a trusted institution that exists for the community, that is ultra ethical in in its investment philosophy. And that acts ultra ethically. Not to say it's perfect. Always mistakes will be made. That its aim is to help the Muslim community build their wealth and retire in dignity and in honor. Mm. That's the Crescent Wealth story. It's only for the good. It's only for the Muslim community. We don't have, you know, uh, you know, we don't have Catholic super, Christian super, you know, then Muslim super or cat super, or we we only exist for one reason that the build the wealth of the Australian Muslim community yeah. and so for people listening say well, okay well that's really interesting but what does that actually mean yeah and I find that a lot of people don't understand super to start with and don't understand finance to start with and I'm sure you'd agree with that you're looking at a couple of them to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay, totally go for it I totally agree <laughs> awesome so and, and I guess my view is like People should not be ashamed or worried about that because I was a lawyer and a banker and I did not know. I had no idea about super. Yep. Honestly, no idea. Mm. No idea about how finance works. It's, you're not born with it, right? You've got to learn it. Even if you're in a close industry, even if you're, uh, you, know, you're in, you're, you, you work for a big bank, doesn't mean you understand super, yep. right? And uh, it's an industry I learned about. So basically in Australia, for those brothers and sisters who are listening, Let's start with superannuation. Superannuation right now 
is effectively a 10% tax or extra payment that needs to be made by your employer if you're employed in Australia, whether you're the entry-level cleaner or the CEO of the biggest company, that must be paid monthly or quarterly for your retirement. So it's long-term. And the government then says to you, Muhammad or Fatima, you decide where that money, which company invests that money for you until you get to about 60 to 65, depending on where you are. And then we're going to give you that lump sum so you can retire on it. And if it's not enough, we'll also give you a bit of a pension. Mm-hmm. And so basically it's about saving early from the very start. And it's an enforced savings scheme. It's the only one in the world of the nature of Australia, but the world is now following us. And it's a magnificent reform of the Labor government under Paul Keating and a guy called Bill Kelty from Melbourne. Okay. So it's created a multi-trillion dollar industry and savings for people to retire. So what does that mean? Well, that means for the average individual, when they start work, wherever they start work, they've got to pick a super fund. So they've got, the employer says, okay, I'm paying you, Hamad, $500 a week. I've got to pay $50 a week to a super fund. You pick the, and you have a choice, mostly, which one you pick. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's super fun. And every for, forever until you're about 60 to 65, as long as you work, your employer will have to pay that into like almost like a bank account that's invested. Now, and I was one of those people, and I didn't understand that. But the thing is, why we create Crescent Wealth is that if you're Muslim and that means something to you and you want to invest money in accordance with your values and yeah. your beliefs then you want to invest in a halal way. We can't say halal because we're not sheikhs. We can't declare halal, but in a sharia compliant way. Mm-hmm. And what is a sharia compliant way? What is the difference between Islamic super fund and normal super fund? Yeah. Well, they're both the same in many ways. They take your $100 and they invest it in many, many companies with different risk profiles, but it's always safe, relatively safe. And, a diff- and that's what we do as... Uh, super fund, but we make sure that the companies we invest in are Sharia compliant. Mm-hmm. That means they don't invest in tobacco, armaments, pornography, alcohol, or insurance companies or banks. Riba interest. Yeah. Um, and that's ba- that's basically it. Yeah. And people say, okay, well, Talal, where did you study to give me those rules? I said, Alhamdulillah, I didn't study anywhere. Believe it or not. In Islamic finance, and this is subhanAllah, it's a, it's a wonder for me because we Muslims don't agree about anything. <laughs> but we have a global Islamic code called IOFI, it's an umbrella organization based in Bahrain, mm-hmm. that determines what Sharia compliant means. And we adopt those rules, like 90% of Islamic finance around the world. Yeah. We, we're a member of that organization, we adopt their rules. And that's th- they set out rules for everything. They're all the imams around the world yeah. who determine it. So in simple English, you pick an Islamic fund because the money you get, the $1 million or the 500000 when you're 60 or 65, is Sharia compliant. Yeah. That's the difference. So that's kind of hopefully explains a little bit about yeah. what's the difference between what is a super fund and what is an Islamic super fund. Yeah, I, I wanted to say like, from what I understand, not only do the people that invest their money in, uh, for example, a Sharia-compliant super fund, 
not only would they be getting their benefit in the hereafter in regards to their money being invested mm. and them getting a return, mm. there is also the benefit that it's going to go into the community and benefit it in proper ways. Yeah. Do you have any examples of organizations or things? Are you even allowed to disclose this? Yeah. yeah. About, yeah. like, for example, like things that you guys invest in? With yeah, of course. So because we're a registered super fund, it's actually completely transparent. Okay. In fact, the shares that we invest in, right? have to be declared on our website. We're audited uh, on two levels. We have three audits a year. Mm-hmm. The first audit is Ernest & Young EY. They audit on a super fund level. They audit us a financial audit, which is money in, money out, a, com- a legal compliance audit. And then we have an Islamic audit. Yep. So we get audited by Dubai Islamic Bank, Dar Sharia. They... But that means they come and check everything that we've done and then issue a fatwa or a ruling that says you're still compliant. Which is very, very important to what Shia compliant means. How regular is that check? Annually. Okay. Every year, annually, you've got to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to do those audits. Yeah. And so this is what I mean about Shia compliance. Shia compliance is not about greenwashing. It's like, Bismillah, Bismillah, it's halal. There you go. Islamic finance is a standard, a standard that you comply with. Declare that standard. You then have the professional competence to perform to that standard, and then you have the person that's independent of you check. If anybody says to you, Wallahi, brother, this is Sharia compliant, say, Show me your audit paper. If they do not, don't say, let them say, We just belong to this organization. Yeah. Mm. Show me where you can prove to me that you audited. What's the specific? The name of the auditors that we're looking for here? You have, well, you, there's many auditors. Oh, so, yeah, so. There's not one. So, there is a standard. This is the Islamic standard. IOFI sets the standard. So, not one Shia scholar comes and tells you it's got to be this, and one Imam says that. It's a global Islamic standard. 99% of Shia scholars agree. Mm. Then you've got to become a member of that organization if you're a finance company yeah. of any sort. And then you've got to declare to people what you comply with. And then you've got to make sure your business complies with very strict rules. Yep. Then, then you've got to get an independent firm, and there's about 10 of them globally that are experts. Mm-hmm. And they're like you know, PwC, like the big ones, but they're Islamic firms. One in Malaysia, there's one in Dubai, there's one in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. that comes and then does an order on you, ask you which shares are you invested in, why did you invest in that company? You breached this rule, you breached that rule, etc. This is in, this is out. And then has to declare that you're Shia compliant. Mm. At Crescent Wealth, we do not consider at Crescent Group you Shia compliant unless you, you can't greenwash. Yeah. You know, we use the greenwash word for, you know, greenies. Like, yeah, we, we're environmentally sensitive, but they're just claiming it, but they're not doing yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Muslims are the best at greenwashing. Wallahi, brother, this is lillah. Wallahi, you know. I paid $2, you can have for fifty. <laughs> Wallahi, I'm not going to eat tonight. Um, so the, 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 we want to set that standard. Definitely. But it's also important for people to know their standards and safety, but actually know why we do it. And the reason we do it is so people can retire dignity and honor and take money that's not come from riba not come from poker machines mm. not come from things that we would not consider ourselves um halal in any way yeah and to address a couple of other things for young brothers and sisters 
if they're 24, 25, and you say, hey, you know, you're going to get this money when you're 65. Like, come on. I'm not even married yet. Like, I don't have a house. Like, what are you talking to me yeah, yeah. about retirement? I haven't lived yet. But it's the most second most important asset. Used to be the second most super was the biggest second most important asset people used to have who were young. Mm -hmm. Like, it, was a, it could be hundreds of thousand dollars over 10 years. If invested properly, it could be millions. Okay, over 30 years. But now, because houses are so expensive, it's actually your biggest asset. It's actually your biggest asset. Because wow. young people aren't buying houses anymore. Yeah. How can they afford it yeah. in Sydney and in Melbourne? The mm. prices are crazy. Yeah. So if you look at their personal wealth, they, they might, like, might be 30 and they have $200,000 in super. They don't own a house. They're still saving for a deposit. Now they're buying at 35 and 40. So it's a very important asset. The other thing is, if you consider your future of your family and your wealth important, it's something to focus on. It's slow and it takes a long time. And yes, you can't take your money out, but this is not about fast money. This is not about fast money. It's about slow money. Yeah. This is about money that comes over a period of time that you work towards. Mm. And the government is enforcing it on you. So that's why we created Islamic yeah. uh, uh, superannuation to give Muslims an option in this country to say, I want it to be Sharia compliant. Now, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Is it cheap? No, it's not. Is it the best performing? Absolutely, it can't be. We don't invest in tobacco, armaments, and pornography. Mm. The most pro and banks, the most pro profitable mm. things in the world. Right? Yeah. We don't invest in them. But are we, uh, are, we, are we trying? Are we building? Are we pioneering? Absolutely. Mm. And others are coming onto the market as well. And we want to see it grow. We want people to actually really understand and help build wealth Islamically because there's barakah in Islamic wealth. Definitely. So what we're saying is, is basically superannuation is an investment for your future. So when after you retire, you have that fund that's ready for you, waiting, inshallah, for you to capitalize on. And beyond that as well, you need that. Like any other money that you have, it needs to be halal in order for you to maintain uh, uh, or Sharia compliant, I should say. My apologies. Yes, yes. Sharia <laughs> compliant. Sharia compliant in order for you to maintain that level of barakah in your day-to-day -day activities and in your life in the future, inshallah. Mm -hmm. So my thing would be now, uh, like uh, you managing such, um, like, mashallah, such big investments and so on and so forth in through your superannuation or your super fund, sorry. Um, how would you advise young Muslims to approach money and their thinking towards money short and long-term goals and balancing that well for me i think um i mean i don't want to give anybody specific financial advice in the sense that everybody in a different situation yeah but there are some rules that never change that never change and the first one from my own community and in the muslim community is that there are no hacks there is no fast money there is by the way, guys, there's 80% of you guys who watch our videos are actually not subscribed. So <laughs> stop the video right here. <laughs> My voice cut out. Stop the video right here. Subscribe. I'll give him a second. Now we can resume the video. Enjoy. If you believe in fast money, right, you're destined for failure because there's no such thing. Number one. And to put a little religious spin on a gharar in Islam, uncertainty fast cash is actually haram it's one thing that we can't invest in oh well right 
So rather like uncertainty, uh, you know, fluid markets, mm. you know, you lose a million, make a million. We actually Muslims discourage that. Why? Muslims like certainty. Uh, risk, you must take risk, but not crazy risk. Number one. Number two, if some bro offers you 15% guarantee, bro, <laughs> no, they're a crim. They're not misguided. They're not, they're not, they haven't studied it wrong. They're a criminal. Nobody can offer you 15% annually and actually make it and guarantee it, right? Yep. No, it's just a matter of time. You're going to read about them in the news. They're going to be in Dubai, right? <laughs> Number three, I can say to anybody actually, is that investment and returns are the same as gravity. What goes up must come down. And Islamic rules are very clear. And mashallah, as I studied them, I'm an Australian banker and lawyer and MBA. I'm not a religious scholar, but subhanAllah, as I actually have learnt the rules, which seem basic to me, like, come on, like they're not, they're like so straightforward. The barakah of the rule, subhanAllah, is amazing. I can say that as a non-sheikh, I'm just a layman mm. who's trying to do the right thing. And the Islamic rules around investment that I'll talk about today have, have been so important in the growth of Muslim communities globally and historically. We've got to reapply them. But one of the rules is gravity. And it's, not a, it's, a, it's a general investment rule. Yep. The more money you may earn for something, the more risk that you are taking. The more money you earn. So if someone says, I'm going to give you 20% and it's low risk, anybody, well, they're a criminal. <laughs> but 10% and they, there's no risk. It's guaranteed. Allah, Allah. Everything Allah, Allah, bro. Tie your camel. Yeah. Right? So be careful of risk. Risk is called risk because it hurts. So measure risk. Think about it. Get advice. But always think long term, no short term hacks. Now, men, you know, I'm 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 older than you guys, but ever since I can remember, especially men, between eighteen and thirty five, yeah. men they want to make it. They want to make it. They want to <laughs> find the life hack. They want to this in this generation. They got crypto. In our generation, they had other things. ACN. Yeah, ACN. <laughs> All kinds of things, right? Like I can name a hundred pyramid schemes, man. Yeah. I used to remember in one one time, wallahi, I couldn't take a call from one of my friends because the minute I got, hello, how you going, Habibi? I've got a business proposition for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tupperware, <laughs> it, it was Tupperware, <laughs> Avon. Honestly, I'd walk in and there'd be seven people sitting around. I've just gathered us here today. Took a business opportunity. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I want to say what I said to someone. <laughs> <laughs> there's one brother in the club that's got enough. <laughs> yeah, there's always one. Yeah, there's, there's always one. one. Cheat up, like so <laughs> there's always, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, you want to take an opportunity. So from a general investment point of view, I would advise ne- investment has risks. Yeah. Right? Make sure you're capable of measuring that risk and don't believe simple stories for simple people. Mm. Right? The last thing is don't invest in something you don't understand. Do not invest in something you do not understand. Yeah. Right? Just to go. Like if, you're, if you're putting 20 bucks or 100 bucks, you're, you know, it's a halal version of playing ga- of gambling, actually. Yeah. Investment. Like, put $100 in halal crypto if there's such a thing. I'm not sure <laughs> there is such a thing. Mm. Put $100 on this share, you know, that is, you think is halal or it's, it's a stock. But that's 
That's what I call halal gambling. Because you don't know anything about it. It's just going up or down, right? Yeah. It's like putting $5 on the pokies, yeah. right? Yeah. But a lot of people in our community invest serious money in things they do not understand. Not just our community, just generally. And they, like, like a, they've got 50000 They've worked for three, four, five years, day and night. And then they go invest it in crypto. Or they invest it in NFTs. Or they invest it in... But that's now, right? Yeah. Or they invest it in some share some bloke told them outside the mosque. Bro, it's going to go hard. Like, you know, I'll put in all my cash. You should do it. Yeah. And these are otherwise very sensible, smart, educated people. Um, or not educated. You know, like... It, these are very good people that do that. Mm. And then they blow it in things that they didn't even think could go wrong, but they fundamentally don't understand it. Yeah. And so even as a sophisticated investment professional, yeah. I don't invest in things that I don't understand. Yeah. Mm. I remember someone saying that your risk appetite is the most important thing in investing mm. it's because you've got to look at things from the, um, from the example of worst-case scenario. Basically, would you be able to stomach that loss mm. if it was to go belly up? Yeah. Or would you be not able to? But that isn't like the religious or the, the Islamic point of view on investment. Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? So, so the Islamic point of view is we, we do not believe in riba, which is the borrowing of money. And we all know what the ruling is there. We believe in trade and we believe in investment. Mm -hmm. But we believe in mitigated risk, controlled risk. Not, uh, we don't believe in extreme either, the gharar. So gharar is the uncertainty, the Arabic word for uncertainty and fluidity. Yeah. And interest is for borrowing of money on certain fixed terms and there's no risk taken by the lender. You know? Because mm -hmm. they uh, came to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and they said, can a man be pregnant? Do you remember the story? No, I've heard this one. They said, can a man <laughs> be pregnant? I'm sure I'm misquoting it, but I'll do my best. <laughs> and they said, he said, yes, he can be pregnant. A man can be pregnant. They said, pregnant with the worry about debt. Avoid debt at all costs. Oh, wow. Avoid debt. Not in the, it's not the Quranic in, you know, incantations or, or supplications that we all know. Mm. This is a sunnah, right? Because a man or woman in debt is indentured, mm. right? Is, is, is controlled, is enslaved. Yeah. Because all you got to do is pay that mortgage. Every Aussie will tell you that. Yeah. i got 30 years to pay that mortgage because it keeps going up. You don't have to be a financial genius to know you're getting ripped <laughs> off. Like, well, you got no choice. Yeah, 100%. How do you live? And so I, I guess from my point of view, um, the Islamic view is invest, learn, educate yourself. But there's general investment rules that I'm saying. Don't invest in things that you don't understand. Yeah. Like invest in property. Okay, you understand property, invest in property. Don't invest in coupons on the derivative market in New York, <laughs> right? You'll be surprised how many of brothers and sisters have invested in that. They don't know the definition of any of those terms. And they've never been to New York. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not dissing them. I'm just saying the, if something goes wrong, you're gambling. You don't know. Yeah, 100%. Invest in things you know. And invest in a share you know. Go for it. Yeah. Take a risk. Risk hurts. Sometimes might you might lose your money. Now, but just tying that back with super... Super invests very, very conservatively. Talking about risk appetites. When super, and I want to talk about super so people understand, your investment posture, the way you deal with it, is that you say, I'm investing for the long term. Mm -hmm. I want to protect the money and I'll earn 
a good return, but it can't be a crazy return. So I can't lose it. Yes, it's good over a longer period of time. For a long, for, for 30, 40 years. Now, most of our community confuse when I talk about investment. Super and investment. Super, you don't look at it every week, every month. You look at it every year mm. and you adjust it. You get the money. Mm. You want it to share out compliant. Okay, I'll talk to Crescent. Do I want, um, is, is just return what I'm interested in. You know, we have no judgment. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have, make their own judgments. Yeah. But once a year, but it's different to the way you treat your $10,000 that you want to try and get ahead. There's nothing wrong with getting ahead. I love getting ahead. Mm. There's nothing wrong with wanting to succeed. There's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve. That's brilliant, but just do it the right way. Yeah. And there are no hacks, there are no secrets. 100%. It's just hard work. 100%. Um, I just wanted to develop on something we might have spoken about just before we started the podcast, was the fact that um, the organisation that you began actually began from an institute and a foundation. Is that correct? Is y- y- yes, in, in simple terms, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But um, we were talking about that there are four crescents. So when people hear Crescent, Crescent Wealth or Crescent Institute, they think they're all one. Yeah. But the Crescent Group, there are four entities, yep. four legal entities with their own boards and their own management and their own functions. And the, f- uh, the first one was called the Crescent Institute that was born 23 years ago. And that is about accessible networking for Australian and Australian Muslims to the who's who of Australia, you know, you pay 20 bucks, you show up and talk to Bill Shorten or you talk to Mark Boris or you talk to Anne Ali okay. and it's conducted in the CBD in, in Melbourne and there's a chapter in each state. That's 23 years old. So we as Crescent Group started off like RACQ, uh, RACV, sorry. Mm-hmm. So RACV is a mutual. Okay. Mm-hmm. RACV is about servicing your car. They're the loveliest people you've ever met. But they also are great traders. They, they, they've built up, and the Sydney equivalent, New South Wales equivalent, is called the NRMA. So NRMA then built a company called... So they exist to serve you as a road as a driver mm. by the side of the road. <coughs> yeah. But that's, how the, that's where they were born. But then NRMA set up NRMA Insurance, which became IAG, with member money. So its core is to serve. Yeah. And serve with Ihsan with excellence. And so that's what we want to be. We started off as a service group. And so there's Crescent Institute, 23 years ago we started, and that is our core, that is our vision, to be only for the good, to act ultra-ethically, to build and contribute to the social fabric of our country and our community, to build Islamic wealth in this country, to allow you to retire in dignity and honour, to network the groups, if you're Crescent Institute. Mm. Um, and so that's that's Crescent Institute. Crescent Foundation, which is our charity, which is the refugee education, houseless and homelessness, is uh, nine, sorry, 10 years old. Crescent Wealth is 11 years old. And Crescent Finance is two years old. Mm-hmm. But the not-for-profits mm-hmm. came first. Yep. And then we've built for-profit, for-purpose businesses. And what we mean by that is that we are a for-profit business. We have to survive we have to be sustainable but at the same time who would give us their money to invest if we keep losing our own money yeah 100%. Mm. right if we can't manage our own money <laughs> you know like going to see the dentist and their teeth are terrible yeah <laughs> brush exactly. your teeth please yeah, it's all right good it's that kind of it, it's not it's 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 living your mantra right 
And so we, we and, and, and it's not, we're not a mosque. Like, what are we going to do? Fundraise for, <laughs> give us a million dollars so we can set up a super fund, a structured finance product under the CISAC in New South Wales. <laughs> Would you say, Habibi? <laughs> you can't fundraise for that. 100%. But the community needs that. The community needs that. And uh, when we <clears throat> founded Crescent Wealth, talking about why, Crescent Institute was 13 years old. We've already been serving the community. Crescent Foundation was founded and Crescent Finance two years old. And we were doing that because we wanted to contribute to the community and help them retire in dignity and honour and build their wealth. So today we've got 12,000 members. We've managed $400 million today. Mm. Inshallah, it will be multi-billions. Mm. It's a long-term play for the community yeah. to try and build a trusted organisation. Now I say... Even if we get to $10 billion and we're not a trusted organisation, then we've failed. Because that's our KPI. That's our real KPI. Yeah. We can offer you services. We can, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to be great all the time. We don't pretend we're something we're not. And we don't, part of the language, think our shit don't stink. <laughs> we are not geniuses. We're just people trying to do a good job with Athan. And the more questions people have, the more answers we have. Definitely. And we want to do it properly and in all the aspects. But our main driver is the community. And to, to drive in the community, mashallah, the community is now, I don't know whether you heard about the census figures that came out last year, but um, five years ago, Muslim community was 624,000 people on the census. Mm -hmm. Every four years the census gets done. Last year, it was over 800,000 people. So Muslim community um, officially grew by 33%. Officially. Mm. We at Crescent believe, at Crescent Wolf believe, that the Muslim community is over a million people in Australia. We're more than 3%. Because not, not every Muslim filled out the census. True. Mm. Not every Muslim is registered to enrol. Uh, and and um, it's not about I English uh, language issues. It's, they couldn't be bothered doing it. Yeah. Don't want to tell the government who they are. I didn't do it. You didn't do it? Yeah, like <laughs> most people don't do it, right? <laughs> they don't do it, right? It's extra paperwork for what? Sorry? Yeah, yeah, more paperwork. <laughs> Pay me for the survey, bro. <laughs> yeah, um, but but it, it is major paperwork, right? But and we won't go into that because that's a whole session. But I love my, my community. So. My, my point is it's a million, there's a, more than a million Muslims. Why? Because we go to all the mosques. We know the community. Yeah. We distribute to them. 100%. That's a big community in Australia. People are surprised how many Muslims there are. Mm. And that talks to, I guess, the community we serve and we grew up in. Now, the community is much bigger than we think mm -hmm. and much more diverse than we think because we're all in our own little, own little bubbles and our own little circles. If you live in, especially in Sydney, same in Melbourne, like if you live, if you live in Sunshine, you're not going to go to Dandenong anything mm. unless you got to visit somebody if you live in Dandenong you're not going to go to Geelong if you live in Geelong you're not going to go and, and you know the rest yep. in Sydney but people in Melbourne and other cities do travel a lot more in Sydney there's some people who have grown up in a particular area they've actually never been outside it they've oh. actually never travelled right so if you're especially in the Shire so that's down south a lot of people say there's no, no reason to go north to the bridge before I've got everything I need and and so I guess from that perspective, we're all living in our own little bubbles. Um, we've got to sort of expand mm. from that. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, 
one thing that I did want to touch on was you mentioned the the, the finance aspect of prison and um, just the Sharia compliance in borrowing money. So about prison finance, yes. Finance, yes, correct. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, like, there's a lot of people with a lot of questions, especially in the current climate. Mm-hmm. Like, what what does the Sharia compliance in borrowing money look like? So I think, um, again, the uh, global Islamic standards, the IOFI, are very clear. There are a set of rules they got to comply with. In simple, in the simplest possible English, as I can manage, because I'm not an expert in the area. For my understanding, Shadar compliance has two aspects for borrowing money or, or buying a house, co-investing in a house. There is the source of the money and there is the structure of the contract between, let's call them the borrower and the lender. Mm-hmm. So let's deal with the second one first because that's the easy. The structure is majority mostly used in the world is there's like six or seven different sort of structures, but the m- one used most is the good old Aussie one known as rent to own. In Arabic, mm. it's which is rent to own, literally. But in Australia, that exists independently. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, we come invest with you, you rent the house until you give us our principal back and you pay the rent up to time, mm-hmm. uh, up at that point. The second part is where the money's from. Now in Australia, there are several institutions that have been I- in the uh, in the um, community for many years. Uh, some doing an exceptional job, some not doing an exceptional job, but they can't get money that's equity, that's cash. They borrow it from another lending institution, mm. and they do it under la- law of necessity, which is in many people are still better than not doing it at all. Yeah, and. And, and as I said, some people are doing an exceptional job at it and my hat off to them uh, because MCCA is the institution I'm referring to because in reality, they've been serving the community for 35 years and uh, you don't have to be perfect to be good and nobody's perfect, including us, but they have, they're they an institution that's been trying to serve the community. Now, but with, with, so with finance, we're saying we're not going to come to market unless we can satisfy both. And we know how hard it is to get capital, to get investment. And so it's where the money's from and the structure. Now, everybody needs to live somewhere. You know, buying a home in Australia, the interest rates today, we're filming on a Tuesday, went up for the eighth time consecutively. The RBA rose interest rates. It's becoming very difficult for younger and older people to buy property. And so we're trying to help people build families and build their life. And by bringing up a Shirah compliant product to the one million Muslims there are in Australia, because there are a lot more people who need the house than they need super, yeah. and to serve the community. And um, as I said, there's a million Muslims in Australia. The market is very underserved. Definitely. Very underserved. Nobody even has 1% or 2% of the market. And we've got a long way to go. Wow. And uh, I guess we touched on it earlier about what Crescent Wells and Crescent's position is. Well, our position is where pioneers in superannuation with pioneers in finance if we can get up get up and operating the way we're thinking but pioneers of an industry mean we want others we're the first that mean we're the only so we're hoping anybody listening to this thinks i want to do that i want to i want to i want to be crescent two i want to be crescent three i want to be crescent four because there's a million muslims 
growing up in Australia that need services, that deserve to retire in dignity and honour, that deserve to live in a house where it's not riba-based, mm. that deserve to build their family and their institutions, that can borrow some money for their, for their business, whatever that may be. Mm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the day where there are 10 crescents called Medina and Amani and I'm making up names here, <laughs> whatever they want to be called, right? Um, because the community needs that service and needs that honest and transparent wealth management and wealth building and financial support, Listen. like everybody else. Mm. And I guess this is where it comes in, where I'm, I'm basically going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And um, I'm going to look at it at the, at the point of view of somebody who's currently struggling with his mortgage, who's seen the rate rise. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. and uh, has the question or begs the question: like, how does an institution that has a um, Sharia compliant base, how does the rates continue to rise alongside the RBAs? Is there? That's a very very good question on so many different levels, and I won't give you the long technical answer, <laughs> but I'll give you hopefully the simple one that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're trying to set up something that is Islamically compliant, you've got to benchmark it. Okay, you've got to benchmark it on the cost of capital, how much. So even in Islamic investment, when an investor puts their money in, they want a return. Mm. Okay, we, they want a return. When a bank, a conventional bank, lends you money, it borrows that money. It's like a chain. It borrows it globally. It then has it and lends it to some people, then it gives it to brokers to on-lend, right? Yeah. But there's a cost of that money. And that's the cost of money. And so along come Islamic institutions and say, all right, let's say the... Uh, so if they're borrowing money, if they're, bor- if they're getting it from a bank, they can, like some institutions, get it from a, a challenger or uh, a, a Westpac. And uh, they then get that money and then say, well, we don't have, it's a law of necessity, we don't have anywhere else to get the money, but we're going to do an Islamic structure. Mm. But where they get the money from puts up the interest rate or puts up the rate. It's not their money, they've got to follow on. Yeah. Right? And that's why it happens. Okay? But you've got to be, you've got to accept that it's better than nothing. Okay. Right? You've got to accept it's better than nothing. Now, with our model, it's similarly challenged. Even if it's equity, it's like cash money. It's not lent from anybody. It's mm. invested by somebody. Yeah. If the cost of that money, the investor, because we've got to give the investor a return, all right? We've got to give an investor a return. If they want 3% return on their money, right, uh, or their rent or their property, then the cost goes up to you, number one. Number two, and this is for everybody in the market, how do you say to a Muhammad, how do you compare? Like, how do you actually, Muhammad says, I got CBA and I got MCCA and I got XYZ. And I, I can't compare. So yeah. there's a comparison rate. I know you've heard of the comparison rate. Yeah. won't get technical about that. <laughs> but it's a rate to try and get you to compare. Yeah. So people come around and say, well, you know, that's not Islamic. Come on. Uh, well, what they're talking about is one, not IFE standard. Two, it's, they're talking about gold standard. When money was connected to gold. I don't get too technical. Yeah, yeah. But Islamically, they read it and they say, well, hang on. 
I should be fixed for the next 20 years. Yeah. That's what they believe. Like 20 years, I rent the house, that's it. But it doesn't work like that in the modern world, even Islamically, even in Dubai, even in Saudi Arabia. Mm. That doesn't work like that at all. But they also find that never worked like that in Islam. Even back in the days of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Mm. it never worked like that. That's their simple view of what it is. And they say, oh, it's not, it's not shit I can play. Like, for sure. Yeah. But I also take the view that, and I'm trying to, as I said, I'm trying to explain, but I'm not a scholar. So when people come to argue with me about Islamic creed, I say, number one, I'm not qualified to have this discussion. And I know a little bit because I'm the longest serving Islamic finance professional in the country. Mm-hmm. So I run a fund. I run a firm. So that means you're less even qualified than me. And I know, I, I'm not prepared to have a discussion. You want to have a discussion about what Sharia compliant? Google and YouTube aren't going to teach you that. You, you know, even imams in our community do not, have one day's education. Like the best imams. Crash course. They, they, because it's a very minor area yeah. in their study. Right? And most imams you go to say, Habibi, look, I, I, I studied that 20 years ago when I was at Al-Azhar. I don't remember, right? Because it's a very, very defined area. Mm. And so that's why you hire Dari Sharia, Dubai Islamic Bank, people from who are experts. They are well-known experts. So when anybody, someone comes and says, this is halal, this is haram, I say, you're throwing around terms like halal, haram, like we're Islamic scholars, Al-Ghazali. Yeah. You know, we barely <laughs> know how to pray. <laughs> you know? I'm not prepared to have that discussion. And people come and argue with me about creed. Like, what do I know where this is? Like, I quote the Quran and quote the Sunnah. I said, you're like a mechanic that's never actually driven a car. Hey, you told me the carburetor doesn't work and all the rest. Give it to the mechanic. That's the way we do it. And so, but but to to make it, but I don't want to overcomplicate it for people. We get these standards that I'm talking about from the Islamic scholars Mm -hmm. and they're the IOFI standards. And to make it really simple for people, um, there are offerings coming to the market. There are opportunities. Yeah. Uh, the present finance is bringing an opportunity in the near future. But there are other people out there trying to do a really good job for a really big market. And mm. I think if you feel that you want some peace of mind, I strongly suggest you do Islamic finance. You know? I strongly suggest that. Mm. And I also strongly suggest that you you be thinking about you make a decision, yeah. And you don't you you tie your camel, yeah. You make an informed decision, and there's no judgment. You know, you end up with a conventional bank, you end up with a MCCA, you end up, absolutely fine. But we're here to offer an alternative. Mm. We're here to offer. Oh, we're not uh, a sheikh preaching. We're not pretending that we know it all. Nobody is. Yeah. We're here to serve the community. Definitely. And I think. There have been a number of institutions that have been around for a very long time that are serving very, very well, alhamdulillah. Um, this is something that I'll say just based off of my experience within the community. Um, this this kind of like, this reminds me of, uh, I'll, 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 come, I'll come around, it's a bit of a tangent, but I'll come around. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of when we were in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. I don't know if there's any any, any anti-vaxxers in the room no, now. No. I hope not, because <laughs> we're going to have to have this conversation. <laughs> we had a bunch of, uh, Maui don't worries and, and so Maui on. Maui so yeah. <laughs> Around the community, yeah, going yeah. around telling people how the vaccine's going to be the source of our control and it's going to end up taking us over. They want our bloods. They want this. They want that. 
And um, we've got Muslim brothers and sisters within the community who are doctors, who are nurses, yeah. who are educated in this field. And they're advising their parents, their mum and their dad, mm-hmm. to take these vaccines in order to protect them from mm-hmm. a virus that they know nothing about. Yep. And they're telling them for precautionary measures, make sure that you do it. And they've given it to their mum and their dad. And Maui Dawar is looking at me, telling me, yeah. Habib, Muhammad, who's a good doctor, who's I trust, who I've met, who I've known, wouldn't sell his mum out for a cent. Yeah. Like the rest of the community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has yeah. looked at me directly yeah. by and told yeah. me, Habib, I, yeah. I gave it to my parents. Yeah. Nah, because he's making 10K on his mum and his dad. He's making 10K <laughs> every time someone what? takes the vaccine. Yeah. He's making money. Yeah. Habib, what's wrong with you? Mm. When have you been educated in this field? Yeah. Little loan to be able to Bro, come. do you know what's in it? you know what's in it? <laughs> you know yeah. what's in Panadol? Have you taken him like a champion all your life? <laughs> you got a chip now, microchip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of, it kind of to bring it back from the tangent, it kind of like they speak from a position of where they're not educated. Yeah. They're not, they're not experts in the matter. They haven't studied 10 years of medical school. They haven't been in and amongst the, 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 the doctors and the other nurses and so on and so forth who are currently struggling with the same thing, who see things from the front line. And this kind of begs the, begs the same question with Islamic finance. Mm. As you were saying, there are scholars, we're talking scholars, Sharia advisors, people who have studied the deen, who have studied finance, yeah. who have studied Islamic finance, who have studied the ins and outs of everything in the deen. You think that they would sell their akhiro, yeah. their potential jannah, they know a lot about the deen. They, they're going to sell their hereafter out mm. for a couple or hundred thousand or a million, couple million dollars here in this world. Yeah. Just so everybody else can go to hell with them. No, yeah, of course not. Does it doesn't make sense to me, yeah? And yeah. and when I when I explain that to people around me who have the same questions about Islamic finance, they kind of like understand, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But it's like in the end of the day, how where we're coming from, you're talking out of an uneducated position. Yes. If you went educated yourself on a situation, no matter, and you studied years and years in Ashur, mm. and yeah. you learned the Sharia compliance in and out, and you know all of the financial ins and outs and compliance and mm. so on and so forth, maybe go ahead, tell me. Of course. Yeah. You haven't. Yeah. But but I, I, I guess people, uh, thank God it's not as bad as the pandemic. Man, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy stuff. We can have the whole show about that. Yeah, well, <laughs> but the, um, the, in Islamic finance, I find, People are, uh, well, it's not as crazy, but I do find people want to argue the Islamicity of it, the creed, the halal and haram. And for me, whenever somebody wants to argue halal and haram, um, unless they're an Islamic finance scholar, not even a sheikh, I, 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 don't, I don't even debate with them or argue with them. Because you, it's fact-free discussion. Mm. It's a fact for it. If you don't know the religion, how are you gonna like that's our benchmark? Yeah. How are you gonna apply it? It's just accusation after accusation after accusation. Yeah. And it's about baraka. Now, I, I found that in the first five years of crescent, like I'd go to mosques and I talk, and now I know the person who starts up a creed discussion. So can you show me where it says halal haram? Right? The minute that happens, I know they're not actually interested that interested in having a debate. Mm. And we're very good debaters, us Muslims, but fact-free debate, yeah. no real yeah. skill, no real. So and true. so, I I have the view is that I don't know, but I know you don't know as well. Let's go. Like I literally, so I tell you a story along what you what, what you've actually said. <coughs> so we started up Crescent Wealth, spent 
millions of dollars, costs millions to set up a super fund, right? And we were in the city, um, I'm well known in the Sydney community, everyone like very interested, but people were like a bit, oh, I'm not so sure. So I said, Alan, what's Alan? Welcome. You would like to come in? Come and come and talk to us and let, let's show you what we've done. And a couple of people took me up on the offer. So we opened up a dar room. A dar room is all a room where the, all the documents are. Because if you've done anything in law, and it's just reams of documents. Makes most people want to reorn, right? That's what it is, but like to structure it. Yeah. Anyway, and um, so we got these guys to come in. Well, I've known all my life. And, uh, and, and I'd say, listen, uh, first of all, I'm not an Islamic scholar. Nor are you for that matter. But I'm definitely, just because you go to the mosque all the time, they're making an Islamic scholar. Yep. But I'm definitely not. Go through all the, they come in, they go through the documents, they go through IOFI stands. They're learning, by the way, about it. They're learning. They, they don't know what IOFI stands for. Uh, they go through the rulings, they go through. And then they say, I'm not convinced. All right, so how am I convinced you? Let's call Dara Sharia and put you on Zoom then, with Zoom, not Teams. Yeah. And you can talk to the imams actually determine like these are the specialists of the specialists yep. and they start arguing with them <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so they say uh, you know they're saying you know they, they just they're Islamic finance professionals and so for me it's a big community and the view I take is we will return to God everybody makes their own judgments we are not giving you something this is halal this is haram. You must do this. None of that stuff at all. Because only Allah knows what is the best for you and you make your own free choice. We'll give you another option. And it's never going to be perfect. Hey, I can pick anything apart. It's really easy to destroy. Mm. Let me see what you built. Okay. And from my point of view, I think um, we should have an abundant view of the world and a growth mindset and a trust. Now, I think, you know, there's a lot that's happened in our community where they either trust deficit and we can talk about that for ages but the way to build trust and 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 combat the trust deficit is only one way and that is to do the right thing for a long time mm. only one way and that's what we stand for we've been around for 23 years now as a not-for-profit going on 11 years now 12 years as a for-profit crescent wealth and beyond inshallah and the only way you can build trust is be around for a long time doing the right thing and and our community want quick buck quick money quick like you know yeah. and and not all of them but a lot do and a lot are there's a contagion effect from other things that have happened yeah. and in fact we go a bit further and we say the job of our institution is not to give back we think that's a very very basic thing like that's too basic we seek ihsan excellence it's to give Forward, give back, and give sideways. And so what do we mean by that? So giving back is, okay, we made some money, we'll, we'll throw you a few dollars, you know. We don't mean it like that. We mean we exist for the community. We exist to give back without expecting anything in return. Mm. And it doesn't come from our member money, it doesn't come from the super fund. It comes from our, our what we do, what profits we make. So we've got to be very clear about that. Yeah. Giving forward is, in the Western world, known as karma. In our world, is known as good look, good behavior. Okay? And that is to be helpful, to help others, 
to proactively go out there and do charitable deeds and charitable works. Yep. And that's the giving forward. Giving sideways is to help those in your family, in your firm, in your job, in your industry, who are like you, of you. Mm. Because they're not giving forward, they're not giving back. Let me give you an example. I was talking about Bashar Huli. Mm. So Bashar Huli is reputed for not only being a brilliant footballer, but a brilliant guy. And off the field, on the field, in the field, with the mic. Why? All the other players love him in every team he played because he would help sideways. The player who he'd be technically competing against mm. to be on the field, to be, he would go and talk to them. He would go support them. He would you know, validate them or he would give them a pat on the back or, uh, or he would give them advice, whatever he could, and just listen to them. I'm just using that as an example. Mm. But we at Crescent want to do that as well, that help others come into the field. A lot of people approach me, actually a lot of Melbourne people approach me, say, look, I want to do this, I want to do that, in Islamic finance, I want, ahlan wa sahlan, welcome. How can I help you? How can I help you build? You know, and everybody in the back of their mind, oh, tomorrow they might compete with me. So what? We've got a million people in the community. We're, we're building for that. We want there to be many other organisations that compete directly because in competition is where you get ihsan in being challenged and responding to that challenge, but responding in a sportsman-like manner. Mm. And what do we mean by that? It's, it's about your relationship and your uh, hopefully healthy relationship with competition. So what does a good sports person do? Like, how come we don't have that in our community? Yeah. That competition is good. Fierce competition is good, mm. but for the betterment of all. Yeah. You know, off the field... You know, nobody likes the person that gives up, uh, you know, as they're taking a mark that gives you a nudge and, and cheap shots and doesn't, like, you know, nobody likes that person. What we value when watching footy is admirable performance, a brave heart, um, exceptional interpersonal skills, care and courtesy and sportsmanship, you know. They rise above it. That's what we value. That's what we think we should happen in our community because mm. that's a very Islamic sentiment. Mm. And that is to have a healthy view of competition and others, take a growth mindset and an abundance. is more than enough barakah, subhanAllah. Like I told you, there's a million Muslims in Australia. Yeah. A million. Just to give you real life, we have 12,000 members. We're the biggest by a country mile, which means we're tiny. It means we're tiny. Yeah. The barakah, subhanAllah, of doing the right thing for a long time yeah. with a purpose and a why, is amazing, and I've I've felt it personally, and um, this is what I'm going to do for as long as I can, inshallah, uh, as long as I'm on this earth, because I think I've got my why, but there's a long way to go to serve the community. Mm. Honestly, I really appreciate the what you guys do because I know with the community as well, one thing we like to do is point the finger. So if we, for example, giving sideways, we could say to other people, "Oh, what they're not doing it, so why should I do it?" Yeah. So I think it's great what you guys are doing. You you guys are focusing internally on your actions and what you do, and then inshallah will follow. Inshallah, absolutely. Inshallah, khair. And a leader goes first. Mm. Doesn't measure. Mm. You want to lead, you go first. You try first. You fail first. And you know what? Even from EM Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, how many finger pointers were there? How many naysayers were there? How many backbiters were there? 
you know? Hypocrites, yeah. How many hypocrites were there? With you, mark, mark, I lack, I lack. I'm with you, I'm against you, depending on how the wind flows. Yeah. Um, and whether the community still got some of those sentiments. Still, mm. got, still got some of them. Definitely. But the only way around them, but, but I've got to say also, not everybody, not all the time. I've met so many brilliant young and older Muslim men, Muslim women around the country. That's what I do f for my everyday job. I fly around the country meeting exceptional Muslims. And I might have a tainted view, mm. a very proactively, positively tainted view. Yeah. Uh, because I, I grew up in, in Guildford, Auburn, Parramatta, Sunshine West, Broadman. I know our community really, really well. It's not like I grew up, you know... In, in Shire. In, yeah, in the Shire or in <laughs> Turak, and I've come back to save the Muslim community because I'm some white knight, you know? Some reverse uh, coconut, you know? White on the outside, <laughs> brown on the inside, you know? Um, I grew up in the heart of the community. I am of and from the community. People say, oh, you're in a suit, Talal. Like, what would you know? What do you mean, bro? I was a captain of Granville Boys High School. For those in Melbourne, I was a captain of Broadman High. Mm. I'm a Broadie boy and their captain. So I was either, you know, like, and so that's why my parents still live. That's why it's my old school. Mm -hmm. And so my view of the world is that um, our community has come such a long way. Mm -hmm. Sure, there's the negativity. Sure, there's the backbiters. There's always going to be people that, you know, don't see abundance, don't see growth. Just, you know, it's a, it's a great Aussie tall poppy syndrome. We just do it really much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do it much better. And, um, and, and the idea that um, we don't have opportunities in this country, we don't have, especially in Islamic finance, actually in everything. There's a million Muslims in this country. We have every opportunity in the world to grow and they deserve, I guess, in, in simple terms, to have institutions that serve them properly and that help build their wealth like every other Australian because that's what we stand for. And that Ihsan bit, I, I don't know where we lost that as a general discussion, but I've got to tell you there is a lot of brilliant Muslims out there if you just look for them mm. you know we can focus on the negative because they're usually the loudest yeah. and they're in your face but the positives are, are growing and in, in my years the community has grown dramatically and changed dramatically yeah. positively Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. that's great I, I reckon the best way to end this podcast would be to impart some sort of knowledge or wisdom so I'll ask of you to I guess pay it forward well, that, that, that's a high bar bro Like yeah. knowledge and wisdom <laughs> Oh my god I'm scared You're going to have to take The, the labels bro yeah. <laughs> It comes with the territory Subhanallah But um, I guess we'll ask of you To recommend A book An article a Magazine A person Something Or someone That can help people Push forward from this conversation And actually develop Their knowledge further So that they're not caught In that, that Kind of that Stalemate of ignorance You know mm -hmm. So, uh, so let, let me give you two. So if you're talking about investment, money, um, how should I act, how should I behave, what are the things I should do, uh, believe it or not, the ASIC website, which is a regulator, a government regulator called Smart Money, Google it, Smart Money, is actually exceptional. It has simple explanations of investment, of what is right, of risk, all the things I'm talking about, and hopefully in more detail, if you're serious about it. If you're not serious about it, just listen to this podcast again. We can help <laughs> you. Right? The second one is if you're talking about life, love, liberty, leadership, 
mindset mind frame i can highly recommend um a if you're a reader it's a book called grit by dr angela duckworth duckworth but if you don't want to read a whole book it's it's an academic book just watch youtube five minute segment so grit g-r-i-t angela that's all you need to type in and that's about her study and they give you the backstory she's a asian tiger mom who is married an american tiger dad i reckon yeah and these terms acceptable yeah 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 she she uses them so i'm i'm just quoting her and yeah yeah don't worry you won't be cancelled and the um that's the way she describes herself and she had a child and she wanted a prodigy when her kid was i'm summarizing here we went this and we did that and 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 sort of and she was a, a banker investment type and she got really interested in the question of across all industries across all people across all cultures what determines success what determines a successful person and that doesn't mean just money yeah it's definitely not money money is one of them but just success and that's grit resilience and growth mindset and she describes it a lot better than i do mm. i'm actually wrecking it for her <laughs> right she is brilliant at it yeah and so if you watch her tedx talk i think that's very valuable because that's what i recommend to people because it opens up their mind to how we all get a little bit narrow thinking depending on where we are our stage in life i'm getting older much more narrower mm. you know to re- remind you of what, what creates success and what you can advise other people that's beautiful i think that's the perfect way to wrap it up thank you very much um Look, once again, thank you very much for coming on, parting your wisdom and your knowledge. About wisdom, <laughs> yes. Like a wise old sage, you know, parting the wisdom. May the ring be with you, you know. <laughs> Inshallah, bro. But no, we genuinely appreciate you. May Allah SWT put blessings and barakah in the work that you do Amen. and the work that your foundation and your institutes do. May Allah SWT push you forward thank you. and advance and, and help you with these, uh, these noble uh, ventures, Inshallah. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here i'm really delighted and honored to actually actually have a conversation and you know you can't fake these things i really enjoy mm. having the conversation because mm. i think um this is what i love doing you know and that is helping our community and and talking about things that are important to people it's uh, you're doing a great job here at fed income um actually having the conversation that's open and that's present and i'm, I'm happy to come back anytime talk about any issue Except about our marriage. <laughs> You're welcome about. anytime. We're only talking yeah. about marriage here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. That's yeah. the only thing that gets us views. No. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching, Thank guys. You. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on the video. And yeah, all the links will be in the description below. And thanks. Talal once again. Assalamualaikum.